What's up, everyone? Welcome to Blast Fight Live podcast, episode number eight. It's been a while since I've done podcasts, but hey, I'm bringing this back because it's important to talk about the fights, especially UFC 281. So this podcast, I'm going to recap only the main card and some other news as well, some breaking news. This is episode number eight. Thank you for tuning in and let's get right into it. First of all, my name is Ezekiel. For those of you who don't know, some people call me Zeke or Leo Zeke. All is good. First and foremost, there was some breaking news a few days ago about Anthony Rumble Johnson. The man has passed away. And this is very sad news because when I first started watching UFC, especially in 2011, on UFC Unleashed. UFC Unleashed was UFC replay fights on Spike TV. And Rumble Johnson was always on there. He was knocking guys out all the time in his early days. And he took some time off during the UFC. And then he came back to the UFC. And when he came back, he was a top contender at light heavyweight. He fought for the title. And he lost twice to Daniel Cormier. But hey, he lost to the best. You know, no shame in that. After that, he took some time off as well. And he went over to Bellator. And while he was in Bellator, he actually had to withdraw from the Bellator tournament because of his illness. And, you know, I knew about his illness. Fans knew about his illness. But he never got too deep into it. And unfortunately, we found out that, you know, he's no longer with us. But in honor of uh, Rumble Johnson, you know, I want to take a couple moments of silence. With that being said, again, you know, go on YouTube right now after this podcast and type in Anthony Johnson Rumble and you'll see all the awesome highlights. A few highlights of him, including him knocking out Glover Teixeira in like 20 seconds, I think. And when he was in the UFC too, he also fought in uh, welterweight. He missed weight a few times because he's just too big. He fought at heavyweight outside of the UFC as well. And the man was just a killer. He had knockout power. And he was supposed to fight John Jones as well. Uh, that fight never happened, unfortunately. But uh, it is what it is. So all my prayers and thoughts go out to Rumble Johnson's family. And that's it. Now let's move on to another... Situation that happened at UFC 281, the UFC legend Frankie Edgar officially has called it quits. Or should I say he has retired from the world of mixed martial arts. And just like Anthony Rumble Johnson, when I first started watching UFC in 2011, Frankie Edgar's fights were also always on UFC Unleashed on Spike TV. His fights with Gray Maynard back in 2011, 2012. His fights with BJ Penn, uh... Tyson Griffin, uh, he, I think he fought a fighter called Sean Shirk as well back in the early days. And for those of you who don't know, when I started watching UFC, the UFC only, their lowest weight class was 155 pounds. It wasn't until an organization called the WEC merged with the UFC. And that is when the UFC started holding fights in the 145 pound division and the 135 pound division. And Frankie Edgar was the champion at lightweight. He defeated Gray Maynard. And he then lost his title to Benson Henderson. And then the second time he fought Benson Henderson, he also lost that fight. But that fight was very close. Go on YouTube and type in Frankie Edgar. And you're going to see some awesome highlights. He's fought a lot of people. Frankie Edgar has fought everyone. He fought Jose Aldo when he was a champ at featherweight. And when he was at featherweight, he was a top contender 
all the time. After that, he fought Jeremy Stevens. He beat up Yair Rodriguez, TKO. He fought Brian Ortega. He fought Cub Swanson. He fought the Korean Zombie. And then two years ago, he moved down to bantamweight. And when he moved down to bantamweight, I told myself, damn, Frankie Edgar could have been fighting at bantamweight this whole career. But, you know, he's a savage and uh, he's a real life Rocky, you know. So unfortunately, Frankie Edgar is not going to fight mixed martial arts no more. But he's a badass. He can do many things in life. I know he uh, is a former Division One wrestler from New York. He can be a promoter. He can go out there and scout MMA talent in the East Coast, New York area. He can go on and start businesses. He can pick up a new wrestling uh, coaching position, anything. Uh, my dream is to meet Frankie Edgar one day. Uh, I would love to go to New York next year to watch a UFC event. I have watched three UFC events this year. But next year, it's on my bucket list. Ladies and gentlemen, if any of you want to come to New York with me in 2023, let's do it. Let's go meet Frankie Edgar. Let's go meet some superstars. Let's go have a good time. Let's go drink. Uh, more, uh, more about that coming later. But now let's get into the UFC 281 card. And right away, I want to talk about the people's main event. Dustin Poirier versus the All-American Michael Aaron Chandler. Holy shit. This fight was awesome. As delivered, first and foremost, Michael Chandler came into the UFC, guns blazing. He knocked out Dan Hooker. After that, he fought for the title with Charles Oliveira, and he almost had Oliveira. He rocked him. He didn't win the title, Chandler, unfortunately. After that, he went and fought Justin Gaethje. After he fought Justin Gaethje, he fought Tony Ferguson. And I watched that fight when he fought Tony Ferguson. He kicked him right in the face in Arizona. And I love Tony Ferguson, so seeing that was uh, not so good. But this last fight that just happened, you know, Chandler came out guns blazing because he knew that it was a three-round fight. And as we've seen in previous fights with Michael Chandler, he does tend to gas, especially in uh, five-round fights, like in the Bellator fights. But Poirier, Poirier's boxing was on full display. And I want to give a big shout-out to my good friend, Kevin Phoenix. He's about to be a cop. And he's a big fan of Dustin Poirier. And he gave me a big old paragraph of how Poirier will win. And, you know, I wanted to be a little biased because I am a former junior college wrestler. So I'm always rooting for these wrestlers in MMA fights. But damn, Poirier took it to him. First round was so awesome because they were going back and forth. You could see that it was evident that Chandler was looking for that power knockout. But Poirier held his own. He delivered some awesome boxing combinations and he was in the fight. He was not scared of Chandler. That second round, it was all Chandler. Chandler fought smart. He went in for that takedown and he was just controlling Poirier. During that second round, I told myself, you know what? Chandler will win this fight if he keeps wrestling. But during the third round, Chandler picked up Poirier, slammed him. Poirier and Chandler started scrambling and out of nowhere, Poirier had Chandler's back and he sinked in that rear naked choke. Once Chandler tapped, I told myself, holy hell, what the fuck just happened? Because Chandler has never been submitted in all his MMA career. I think he has about 30 plus fights. Poirier did it. He hung in there with one of the most powerful guys in the division. And that says a lot about Poirier's 
ambition to still become a champion. That says a lot about Poirier's heart, about his skill set, his jiu-jitsu was on full display. And let's talk about the aftermath now. Well, Michael Chandler, he came into the UFC. He said he wants to be a UFC champion, but look, that might not happen. He's lost to Poirier. He's lost to Charlie's Oliveira. And he's lost to Justin Gaethje. So Poirier needs to... I mean, Chandler definitely needs to take some time off. And if you go on his Instagram, Chandler was wearing an ice mask. That guy has like black eyes and his face is all fucked up. So Chandler definitely needs to take some time off. And as far as who he can fight next, well, he has been calling out Conor McGregor. I think that would be a good fight. I'm not sure if Conor would take that fight just because Chandler is a wrestler and Conor knows that he might not do good against him. But I think that Arman Sarukian versus Dimmer Ismagulov, that fight is going to take place on December 17th, which is the last UFC card of the year. And those guys are ranked outside the top 10. So I think the winner of that fight could fight Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler is ranked right now, I think, number 6 or number 7. But as far as Poirier, I mean, this was a fight that he needed to win because Poirier has never lost two fights in a row. With that being said, I think because of Dustin Poirier's star power and his name value, he could potentially be fighting the winner of Islam Makachev and Volkanovski. We will see what happens. Personally, I would like to see Dustin Poirier fight Benil Derouche because that fight would be a true title eliminator fight. We will see what the future holds. But now let's talk about that main event. The rivalry. Alex Pereira. He beat Izzy Adesanya in kickboxing. Twice. And then out of nowhere he made the move to mixed martial arts. And during that time Izzy was on top. Beating everyone. So Izzy Adesanya was beating everyone. And he had many title defenses as well. And you know when... Alex came into the UFC right off the bat. The talk started about him fighting Izzy one day. And that was literally last year. Alex Pereira came in last year to the UFC with very little martial arts experience. He only had four fights in MMA. Alex Pereira came into the UFC and he TKO'd Andreas Michalidis. In a second fight, he won a decision against Bruno Silva. And then this year in the summer... He knocked out Sean Strickland. When Alex Pereira got booked to fight Sean Strickland, everyone knew what the UFC was doing. Because Sean Strickland at the time was ranked in the middle of the top 10. So everyone knew that if Pereira beat Strickland, he would fight Adesanya. That is what happened. This Saturday in New York, they both fought. And honestly, Israel Adesanya was looking very good in that fight. He was looking good. He was looking like a sniper. He was showing off his good combinations. The size difference was very evident too though. Alex Pereira looked very, very big against Adesanya. He is obviously taller. He looked bulkier. And, you know, it got to the fifth round. And uh, on MMA Twitter and the commentary, all I heard was that Izzy Adesanya was up three rounds. A small argument could be made that Alex Pereira was, or that the fight was 2-2. But in that fifth round... Go on my Instagram and go on the highlight video of the knockout. Alex Pereira came after Israel Adesanya somewhere in that fifth round. And that is what his corner told him. His corner told him, get after this guy. And that is what Pereira did. He finished him. As far as the finish, was it early? Was it late? 
I think it was a good finish. I think Israel Asanya definitely was not out, but I mean, if the ref would have let that fight continue, Adesanya would have probably been knocked out even cold. But Pereira becomes a new UFC champion. I do want to see an immediate rematch. A lot of people have said that, hey, Pereira has beaten Adesanya three times already. But we have to understand that Pereira has only beaten Adesanya once in mixed martial arts, specifically in the UFC. And Adesanya, he was a dominant champion. He really was. He's done a lot of favors for the UFC. He's been active. His title defenses included... Uh, Martin Vittori, Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier. Those are, the, those are the top guys in the middleweight division. So we'll see what the future holds. I really respect Israel Adesanya's uh, very positive attitude. He's already going on interviews. He's already going on the his Instagram and Twitter posts. And he's very, he's being very polite. And he's being very optimistic about the future. He's telling everyone that he knew he was winning the fight. He's not blaming the referee, Mark Garter, for the stoppage. And he's giving credit to Alex Perea as well. As for Alex Perea, it's interesting to see what his management is want, is going to do from here. Because Perea's team could potentially just look to fight Robert Whitaker. Or Perea's team could have negotiations with the UFC. Or maybe they won't want to take that Israel Adesanya rematch. Uh, we will see what happens. The middleweight division is interesting right now. It just got a whole lot interesting. Because if Adesanya would have won this fight, then all the fans and even Dana White would have said, well, who does Adesanya fight now? You know, there's really no one. But there is someone. And Pereira did it. He did it in the fifth and final round, which was so, so amazing to see. Honestly. And I mean, for someone to come in here to the UFC like Pereira and just have four fights in the UFC and become a UFC champion, that's amazing. I think the last person to do that was uh, Brock Lesnar. I think he had four or five fights in the UFC before coming the UFC heavyweight champion. But the main event delivered. It was awesome. The whole world went crazy. All the highlights of Pereira finishing Adesanya are all over Instagram and Twitter. Pereira being 3-0 is the new narrative now. Uh, and like I said, you know, he did beat Adesanya three times, but he beat him two times in kickboxing and one time in MMA. But I will say this, in that second fight where Israel Adesanya got knocked out in kickboxing, Adesanya was winning that fight. You can go watch the highlights on YouTube. And even this fight, you know, you go back and watch this fight. Adesanya was getting the better of Pereira. And it was just such an awesome fight because Peria also showcased grappling. Who expected Alex Peria to come in here and shoot a takedown on Adesanya? Well, he did it. And Peria trains with Glover Teixeira, so we know he's learning some great stuff on the ground. But let's move on to another fight that happened. Carla Esparza versus Whaley. Carla Esparza, she became the UFC champion with a boring fight that I saw live in Arizona in May against Rose Namajunas, Wiley, her athletic ability is just amazing. It really, truly is. I mean, you could see the strength in that fight. You could see her sprawl was on point. You could see her confidence was good. You could see her landing great combinations. She landed some great head kicks. And Carla, her wrestling looked a bit sloppy. It's easy for me to sit here and say that, right? But during that transition where Wiley... Uh, sinked in that rear naked choke, which was the second round. Carla Sparza went in for a single leg. 
when Zhang Wiley was off balance and when Carlos Sparta had that one leg, somehow, because of Zhang Wiley's athletic ability, she somehow took her back. They both fell to the ground. And again, go on my Instagram. I have the highlight there. Zhang Wiley had Carla Sparza's neck. And I didn't think she was going to finish that rear naked choke because it wasn't a typical rear naked choke. It was at a very awkward angle. But she synced it in. And as soon as she synced it in, again, her athletic ability showcased because she did a badass backflip. How awesome is that? Carla Esparza, I feel bad for her because, you know, she lost the belt. She's never defended her belt. She is a two-time UFC strawweight champion, but she has no title defenses. Now, Zhang Wiley is also a two-time strawweight UFC champion. But as soon as Zhang Wiley won that title, I started seeing on Twitter right away, hey, save that belt for Mommy Namajunas, who beat her twice, right? You know, I would like to see that fight next, but honestly, these last few years, the strawweight division, it's only been Rose and Joanna and Carla. I want to see some fresh blood. So I would like to see Amanda Limos, who just beat Marina Rodriguez by knockout, fight for the title. I think Marina Rodriguez versus Zhang Wiley would be a very great fight because they both have knockout power. They both are small. They both are heavy punchers, and it's highly unlikely that any of these two ladies will want to grapple with each other. They will definitely want to strike against each other, and I think that's the next fight to make. I really do. As far as Rose Namajunas, I know she might want a title shot, but I don't think she should fight for the title. I really don't, but hey, you know, I'm no UFC manager. I'm no UFC representative. We'll see what the future holds. We really will. But I chose Zhang Wiley to win this fight. And I did create a poll on Instagram before the fight. And most of my followers on Instagram voted that uh, Wiley Zhang would defeat Carlos Barza. And it happened. And I didn't think it was going to happen on the ground. I think if Wiley would have won this fight, she would have won on the feet. You know, with the knockout, head kick, punch. But damn, her wrestling is good. Zhang Wiley's wrestling is really good. She's got a mean sprawl. She's so strong for the division. I mean, do you all remember that video that Zhang Wiley put up on Instagram about her carrying Francis Ngannou? So surreal, so surreal. So the strawweight division is uh, interesting right now. We'll see what happens. There's two fights I want to talk about left on this card, which is Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, this fight was not on the main card. Uh, I know I was going to talk about the main card only, but hey, this fight is important because Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield is only 23 years of age. She is a flyweight. She came into the UFC very young, I think at 20 or 21. But this fight was important because this fight was really going to tell people, especially the casuals, how good Erin Blanchfield is. Molly McMahon, she came into New York on Saturday and the whole crowd was cheering for her because, you know, she's popular. You know, Meatball Molly, she's very popular. Her last fights, she's won by Spinning Backfist. And Patty was there. Patty Pimblett was there supporting Molly. But damn, Aaron Blanchfield's wrestling and grappling is on another level. A few years ago in 2017, Aaron Blanchfield, she won the Eddie Bravo Invitational, uh, EBI Combat. She won it while she was a purple belt. I think she's a brown belt now. But first round, they were striking. Aaron Blanchfield right away takes down Molly. As soon as she took down Molly, I told myself, yeah, you know, this fight's not going to last too long. And that's what happened. 
uh, Aaron Blanchfield took down Molly. She had her in uh, crucifix, and she was just beating her up. She was just throwing punches to the face, back and forth. And, you know, Molly was trying to bridge, but it just... It just wasn't happening, you know. When you have a strong wrestler on top of you like that, bridging, of course, you have to try to bridge, but the top pressure is something else. And immediately, Erin Blanchfield put one of her legs over her face, and she went in for that Kimura or Americana, and she got it. She tapped her out. So now Erin Blanchfield, you know, she's an up-and-comer. She's currently ranked at number 10, which is which is great, you know. Her... Way to the top right here is great. If she keeps winning, she could probably be a top five by the end of next year. So it's awesome, too, to see because she's so young. And we talk about contenders for Valentina Shinchenko. Well, Mary, maybe Aaron Blanchfield in two years can be the one to defeat Valentina Shinchenko. We'll never know. I know right now it's a, it's too early to say because Aaron Blanchfield has to still fight the top contenders of uh 125, which include... Grasso, Lauren Murphy, maybe even Kaylin Shukagan, even though they train together, uh, or Taila Santos, but I'm just very excited for her because she's so young and she's a great wrestler. But one fight that I do want to talk about as well is Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is one of those fighters who has lost to the best, right? Uh, he lost to Poirier. He lost to Makashev. But what Dan Hooker did was very awesome because Claudio Poelez, I thought Claudio Poelez was going to beat Hooker by a knee bar because Claudio Puelas, he has a few knee bars on his uh, MMA record, uh, specifically UFC. He has two UFC victories by knee bar, which include over Chris Grootz-Satmer and Clay Guida. But what Claudio Puelas was doing in this fight was just very, very embarrassing. He was butt scooting. He was just trying to get the fight to the ground, right? But at the high levels, that's just not going to work. Good for Dan Hooker. He's ranked... Uh, top 10 at lightweight. We've seen he's lost to the best, like I said. I wouldn't say Dan Hooker is back, but he's back in the willing column. A lot of people are saying on Twitter or Instagram that Dan Hooker could be fighting Tony Ferguson next or Conor McGregor next. It makes sense because they're all outside the top 10 right now. So we'll see what happens. But with that being said, you know, I wanted to talk about UFC 281 and some other news as well. But it's November. Next week is already going to be Thanksgiving, and there is only four UFC events left of the year. This Saturday, we have uh, UFC Vegas 65, Derek Lewis, my balls are hot, versus Sergi Spivak. It's a great main event. Uh, fight on that card that I'm really excited is a, a woman's strawweight fight between Vanessa Demopoulos versus Maria Oliveira. Vanessa Demopoulos, I saw her fight live in... Uh, in January, right here at the Honda Center in Anaheim, and she won by armbar, I think. So you know she, she's she's a awesome fighter. She trains in San Diego, I think, right now. I'm not sure. And then the week after Thanksgiving, December third, the main event, we have another uh fight night, and that is Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland, big mouth. In the co-main event, we have Tai Tauvasa versus Sergi Pavlovich. We also have Brian Brian Barberina versus RDA. Ooh, we have a flyweight fight on that fight too. Match now versus Matez Nicoleo. Flyweights are my favorite weight class, 125 pounds. And on the prelims on that fight, I forgot we have Clay Guida, the UFC legend versus Scott Holtzman. Clay Guida is one of my all-time favorite fighters. And then what else do we have? We have 
the last pay-per-view of the year, the rematch, Jerry Prokachva versus Glover Teixeira. And in the main, in the co-main, we have Jan Blachowicz versus Magomed Ankalaev. Nice. So we have a tournament in the light heavyweight division. Patty Pimlet is on that card as well. Robbie Lawler is on that card. Ooh, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tuperia. I'm definitely going to be making a podcast before this uh, last pay-per-view because Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tuperia could determine the future contender of the featherweight division. And to finish off the year, December 2017th, we have Jared Cannonier versus Sean Strickland, a friendly fight in the middleweight division. So, you know, there's a few events left of the year. You know, there's uh, been a lot of great UFC events and fights in all of 22. It's been a great year for the UFC, a great year for MMA. And I want to thank all my followers for following me on Blast Fight Life on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm always talking about fights. I'm always commenting on fighters, posts, other MMA pages. And ultimately, I just love watching MMA. I love training martial arts. And I love talking about the UFC because I've been watching the UFC for 10 years now. And that's why I love talking about it. So I knew I had to come back and make a podcast again. And there'll definitely be another podcast before UFC 282. But thank you again to everyone for listening. Go ahead and go on my fight page on Instagram, on Twitter. Follow me. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you.